0: Hello and welcome to Ningen Report, your weekly round of all the latest Ningen news and all other photographic announcements that we found interesting. It's consistent here.
1: And this is Becky.
0: All right, well, let's start with some stock and delivery updates. Mm. What do we have in the UK, Becky?
1: So we have exciting news that this week, on the 26th of October, the 600ml 6.3 will start shipping. I know that we're not getting... Quite enough here at Grays to deal with every single pre order, but a lot of people will be made very happy, which is good. Then we also have our second shipment of ZFs arriving. So I assume that everyone in the UK will soon be getting their second deliveries. And when I say everyone, I mean all the dealers will be getting their second deliveries of ZFs, which is great. Planners will start to appear very shortly. That's the 135 1.8. And some bonus good news, the Z8 is currently in free stock, which is amazing. It's been a long time coming.
0: Yeah. So in the United States, Z8 kind of came into stock really quickly, but in the UK and Europe, it was pretty much out of stock with the small shipments coming in. So At this moment of recording, we do have free stock available, which is really nice. Now, not so good news is, and I don't think they're particularly true, but we have some news from Japan, and Asobi.net published this one. They said that a lot of dealers like Big Camera and Yodobashi Camera are now putting the 180-600 to lens, the next shipment, in February 2024. Now, from the past news that we saw, like with Z9s, where they would quote the shipment in six months after the release date or something like this. We know that this is not exactly true. It's just a placement date and that will change. So don't worry too much about this. Uh, The news sites will report it as news. But what we would suggest is that from just Z9 and Z8 deliveries, that date, February 24 doesn't mean really anything.
1: Means nothing. It means
0: nothing
1: to me. Fake news. (laughs) It is fake news. To be Completely honest, they do also tend to err on the side of caution over there just to make sure they don't disappoint people. They're also always the first to say, look, we've had more orders than we can comfortably deal with. So please be patient. Whereas what tends to happen over here is you just don't hear anything.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess they say pre-stock February 2024, we don't want your pre-orders right now. Well, a lot of business will say, well, put your pre-orders in and wait.
1: Exactly. I think that it's interesting just from a dealer's point of view to see how different regions manage things like pre-orders and supply and demand, because obviously we're now post- 2020, in a period of time where there are long lead times for premium items and people are going to have to wait. There are some items which you can still grab off the shelf. Mm -hmm. But but I still think that with when it comes to camera companies, we haven't gotten to the point where you can just come and pick up a brand new camera on day of release.
0: That's true. But in Nikon's defense, I think if you look at the camera releases, the cameras were supplied in big chunks. So Z9 was obviously a big lesson to learn from Nikon because that had been out of stock for a while. But then Z8, there were huge shipments everywhere in the first batches, second, third batch. And overall, it was getting into stock until the recall.
1: That's right.
0: And that's what's delayed a lot of things. And that's where we've seen another kind of two months of no stock after that, because I guess they needed to check all the cameras to make sure there's no issue there.
1: Yeah, it's a slightly different scene with lenses, though. Well,
0: that's the thing. If you look especially at telephoto lenses, now, with exception, also 85, which is not really telephoto, because 85, been out of for about a month, and then it kind of came in stock, you can't get them right now. They're in stock if you want to. 135 plan is coming in as well. So the, what we were told by Nikon that the, it shouldn't be a shortage with those lenses, so they will have enough stock shipped So the wait is not going to be very long. But once you start to look at the long telephoto lenses, so we've got 600 mil, we've got 400 mil, obviously 180 to 600 mil. Those have quite long waiting lists. Yeah, And I guess that's, to be honest with you, that was always a thing of the past as well, especially the long primes. You know, the professional loan primes, we ought to talk quite some time. The Zooms are coming in and taking it 200 to 500, I don't think that we had quite a delay on those when it first came out.
1: No, I think that it tends to be, and I could be wrong, but I think it tends to be the longer premium lenses which are made in Japan, particularly with the F-mount mm. ones. I was told at one point by someone on the food chain so long ago that I don't know if this is still the case, but that they were almost at a point where they were made to order, like the 120-300 to 300 yes. and the 180-400. to 400. It wasn't like Nikon would have a batch waiting it was like oh there's an order from this country and an order from this country we better crack on making those sort of thing and you better make some (laughs) better make some all
0: right get the legos out
1: and then we had that situation with the 500 pf back in the day do you remember 500 pf was yeah and the rumor had it that there were only two people in the factory that were capable of assembling th- those lenses, yeah. and one of them had gotten sick, <laughs>
0: and one of them was baking. One of them was me, and they were doing YouTube channel all the time, so there was no time to assemble those lenses. That's the reason, you know.
1: It was it was one of those surreal things where you think, gosh, this lens that I'm holding in my hand was hand assembled by yeah. one of only two people that knows how to do it. And that genuinely was the excuse for that delay. And I'm not saying that that's a bad excuse. It's a legitimate excuse, but it does make you think and realize that a lot of the processes that go into building our equipment that we so love and hold so dearly is done by individual people that are trained to do that specific thing. That's true. It makes
0: them more special, no? Exactly. Buy cheap Plans, they all made by machines and they don't get sick. <laughs> all right. Now, that's it with the news. Thank you very much for watching us. We'll see you next week. But we now are going to talk about cameras and lenses now and reviews and obviously we're going to start with the Z8 review which was published by Richard Bartlett DP review and he calls Z8 a supercharged d850 successor
1: that's right he said Nikon Z8 is the best mirrorless camera Nikon yet made and arguably the best camera it's ever produced it's big heavy expensive but it also includes everything that makes the Z9 one of the world's best pro cameras and delivers it undiluted to a broader audience now he says on a personal level, the Z8 is probably the best camera he's ever used. He says it goes toe-to-toe with Canon's excellent R5, for me comes out on top thanks to its faster shooting with less rolling shutter and more advanced video feature set. The Z8 is big though in a way that the likes of the Sony's A1s aren't and he says ultimately that's the trade-off. The Nikon Z8 is a camera that excels at almost everything it does with the promise of improvements in those areas it doesn't but it's a commitment to carry all that capability with you and it wouldn't be our first try for travel for instance okay
0: so this is a very important point because reviewer highlights the thing that we have a kind of a gap mm-hmm. in our lineup of cameras now Z9 and Z8 to me are professional cameras Z8 to me is a direct, replacement of D850 and I was quite vocal in the past saying that Z7 mm. and Z6 are not competing with D850 for I, I on the professional levels yes. and a lot of people didn't agree with me but my point stands when Z A came out I said that this is to me a direct replacement mm-hmm. now for professional photographers having big and heavy camera is a part of the job the grip is very important yeah. we talked about it we don't want this pinky hanging you know we want to make sure that we can hold the camera for the whole day Put a big heavy lens on it, but we are there to get paid and to deliver the best images we can create as professional photographers. Now, Z8, for people who take them for travel and the holiday and hobbies, this is very nice. It's a very expensive tool, but mm-hmm. I think from Nikon's point of view, it's designed as professional cameras. It doesn't mean it can't be used by hobby enthusiasts, Yeah, but it's specifically designed for working photographers. Yeah, so. My point being is that yes, we definitely need Z7 and Z6 Mark III generation three cameras with all the feature set that comes from those two cameras because if people look at camera like Sony A1 which is smaller camera. Let's not look at the price and spec notifications. A lot of people say that z is actually, is a lot cheaper and better cameras than Sony A1. Sure. Again, arguably we are Nikon channel, don't judge us for it. So, you know, we might be a little bit biased on that. But the point being is that, yes, we need those cameras. We have Nikon ZF, that is kind of bridges that gap, yeah. but there's a big but there. This camera has a different form factor, which may not be suitable for everyone. And we have the cases when people being sold on the looks without trying the camera and being sold on the specs, because obviously in terms of specifications, it's a good upgrade even over generation two cameras. But because of the form factor, the knobs and functionality, the just button layout and design, the shallow grip mm-hmm. may not be a camera for everyone. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying that we need the z 6 III and maybe z 7 III to happen at some point soon. What do you think, Becky?
1: I think so. I mean, whatever the Z7 III is, the size will definitely appeal to the audience that find the Z8 too big and heavy. I'm first to admit that I find the Z8 a heavy camera when we walk around with it. And if you're looking for a higher resolution camera is 45 or possibly more then I think that the Z7 Mark III definitely has a place. It will also be at a price point between the Z6 III and the Z8 which is important, that that price point of maybe around 2,900, 3K, let's call it. Whether you're talking pounds or dollars, it's all the same. So there will be a 3K camera, and that's fine. We think that would be the Z7 III. Now let's talk about the Z63, whatever that may be, because the oddity is that we have this ZF with the same sensor, but with this extra technology thrown into it. So maybe the Z63 would be a little bit more expensive than the ZF, but with a higher resolution sensor. And I think that all of those cameras are actually relevant and important because there are dozens of different use cases.
0: Well, if we think what ZF is already is, Mm. it's kind of a, as a lot of people say, Gen 2.5 camera, Right. where you you do get a lot of technology coming from the camera like Z8 and Z9, Mm. but then you also get a sensor that comes from Gen 2 and Gen 1 cameras, basically. And if you release Z63 with a 24-megapixel sensor, I think it just doesn't make sense for a lot of people. Mm. We definitely need to get a higher resolution sensor we're not talking 45 but give us 30 something whatever that is i'm sure that close to date we'll probably see some sensors being registered by sony and then probably nikon will have a special design for it et cetera. but what else can you do i think when we get to 30 plus megapixel sensor we're going to get an 8k resolution and recording right. and i think that's what's going to make it different from camera like zf mm-hmm. so we got a modern form factor we got a new sensor, which is high resolution. We are got to 8K functionality for videographers. And Z6 was the camera for videographers. It had a better video at the time than Z7 camera. Yeah. But overall, what do you think they connect to Z6 Mark III camera? A part of, obviously, a modern form factor, which should build will add all the functionality and button layout that we all love to use. High resolution sensor and high resolution video. Will we get a new ProSo or is it going to be X-P7? Will we get improvement in higher frame rate? or not, let us know in the comments below. Now, let's talk about Z7 Mark III for a moment. Obviously, that camera is kind of being forgotten because everyone is craving for Z6 Mark III. Do you think Z7 Mark III will have a higher resolution sensor than Z8 or Z9? Do you think we're gonna ever go to 60 megapixels or you think we're gonna get a 45 megapixel sensor again?
1: I think that if they put a higher resolution sensor in, then they'd have to take out some other features in order to make it the price point that it needs to be at. Because if we're talking about a Z7 Mark III being around the 3000 price mark, so it's a 1000 cheaper than the Z8 and another 1000-ish cheaper than the Z9, it would make sense for Nikon to make it more expensive because then it would be competing or crossing over with the Z8's space. Do you think.
0: think if they increase the resolution and reduce the frame rate, but still maintain the autofocus speed. Mm. And frame rate is still going to be good enough, not too slow. Mm. They can price it close to Z8, so something like 3.5 instead of 3, versus 4K for Z8. Potentially.
1: Potentially.
0: Because if we talk about this, yeah, so if Z7 Mark III is at 3K and ZF is at 2.2, 2, so where Z6 III is going to sit at 2.6, I think it's going to be too close and then we have a thousand pounds gap yeah. between Z8 models. So, so my thinking is increase the resolution, you get Xpeed 7 slightly slower frame rate, but still fast enough, Yeah. make it 3.5, that way, yeah, you can price Z6 Mark III something around maybe 2899. Mm. I don't think they'll ever go to 2999 unless they really will make it a speed monster, like a mini Z9, but actually with a full frame sensor and an amazing low light performance. We still need, I assume, Z6, Z6 Z62 and ZFC are the best low light cameras in Nikon mirrorless lineup.
1: Yes, they are. And low light was always the driving force behind a lot of Nikon's pro flagship bodies, such as the D5 and the D6. Those are phenomenal cameras for low light performance, D3, D5 etc. So we are missing a kind of low light beast, if you like, for indoor sports photography or or very, very low light wildlife, etc. And although the Z9 doesn't skimp on the low light performance, the higher resolution does make it a difficult balance for many photographers who are doing that professionally. They end up keeping one of their older DSLRs, like a D5 or a D6, to cover low light end. So tell us what you think. What do you think the Z63 should have as an addition? How about the Z73?
0: And to wrap up a DP review about Z8 that we've started with, do you think is Z8 the best Nikon camera ever made? The best value for money in terms of technology and performance right now?
1: Absolutely. I think that if you are looking at the D850 equivalent in the Z format, the Z8,
0: really is it. Do you think people who have a Z6 II, shall they wait for Z6 Mark three, or shall they upgrade to ZFC right now?
1: I think that depends a lot on budget and whether or not you like the ergonomics. The ergonomics is a big factor for a lot of people. If you don't like the retro design, if you don't like the positioning of the buttons, etc., it's not going to be a camera that you're going to enjoy using. So I would say... Unless you've tried one in your hand and you know that you are going to enjoy using this camera, then hold off because the Z6 III must, it's inevitable. It has to happen.
0: That's the thing. Being sold on the looks, which let's be honest, ZF looks incredibly good. I mean, it's a, it's a, such a classic design. Yeah. But that classic design, especially for people coming from modern design cameras, has quite a steep learning curve in terms of how you mm. use this camera for your general use photography coming from cameras like z 63 mm-hmm. So if you're willing to take this step, then yes, please do. But as Becky said, try this camera before you buy it, hold it in your hand, try to take a few shots and see if you like the use of knob and dials, or if you don't want to use knob and dials, if you're happy with the controls on the camera as well, because it does allow you to use without the knobs. But then if you don't use the knobs on this camera, then In a way, the question is, what's the point? So there's a lot of questions that come with a review of the ultimate Nikon camera Z8 about all other cameras that have been released or haven't been released yet. Now, talking about DP reviews, apparently Z8 and Z9 are currently top rated cameras at DP review website. Mm-hmm. So they're sitting on the first two places. Nikon Z8 has a highest sc- score of 94%, as well as Nikon Z9, which is pretty good. What also, by looking at the actually chart itself, it also tells me that all cameras nowadays are really, really good. So it doesn't matter what brand you use, what brand you like or don't like, those cameras are really good. And the technology in them is really, really good as well.
1: And it's all really, really good. <laughs>
0: exactly. So it doesn't matter what you use, as long as you keep taking pictures and enjoy your photography, all those tools will give you that capability of actually taking the shots, as well as Nikon F, which was released in 1959.
1: Great. Now, moving on to non-camera-related reviews, we have the Z135mm Plena Review by Gordon Lang at Camera Labs. This is a great review. He says... It's highly recommended. He says the Nikon Z135mm is an outstanding lens. It combines excellent sharpness and high contrast across the full frame with a gorgeous bokeh, which has the unique property of producing almost no cat size and renders out-of-focus subjects in the foreground as smooth as in the background. The Z85 1.2 S may still produce the softer transition zone and background when used at F1.2, but from 1.8 onwards, differences become more subtle. This is a question we've been asked a lot, by the way, about mm. the differences between the 85 1.2 and the 135 Planner. So, This is your answer. He goes on to say, as both lenses have a slightly different bokeh character, it probably comes down to personal preferences when choosing one lens over the other, but its combination of gorgeous bokeh and excellent sharpness makes the Z135 f1.8s a unique lens worthy of the name Plena. Highly recommended.
0: All right, so I'm sure you know about the good points. Let's look at the bad points. So large and heavy lens, Mm touche, very expensive, well, yes, they're expensive. I agree. Yeah. I agree. No fluorine coating against moist and dust. I mean, it's kind of a neat picking, really. I mean, but let's be honest, it's not exactly a wildlife lens either no but also flimsy lens pouch which is actually a good criticism i mean i wouldn't criticize lens based on a flimsy lens pouch wishing it survive with all their lenses mm. but i guess because we needed to bring some negative points into the review you know i'd rather have this as a negative point than let's say an optical performance of the lens if you see what i mean so-
1: yes indeed and it's always good to know if you're going in to buy the lens that for example, the lens pouch is the same little flimsy one that you get in every box. And the fact that you will need to put a filter on it if you want to protect, protect it from moisture and dust. Yeah. I mean, so.
0: to be honest with you, for me personally, I have a camera bag, which, you know, have all the separators in there. Mm-hmm. So I never use those pouches at no, all. So they just stay permanently in the box when I buy the lens and then they just disappear in the attic somewhere, you know. But what we're starting to see now is actually people starting to make comparisons with other lenses and first example we have is a Sigma 135 1.8 art lens for Nikon F mount which is considered to be one of the sharpest art lenses from Sigma around.
1: That's right and he does say that it is extra sharp with only minor color aberrations and beautiful bokeh, but progress in optical design and a dedication of Nikon to produce the best 135 lens available makes the planner just better than Sigma's art in practically every aspect. Better resolution and contrast, smoother bokeh, less vignetting, and the planner's a bit shorter and lighter than the Sigma is with an FTZ adapter. But the planner is more than twice as expensive as the Sigma. And he does say that the Sigma is still a very good lens. So worth having a look at the 135 Art. It came out in 2017. So as lenses go, it's not as old as some of the other 135s out there. And it is optimized for digital sensors, which helps unlike Nikon's earlier 135s, which were not designed specifically for digital. But if the price is a factor that you bulk at, then definitely check out the Sigma ART.
0: It almost looks to me that if the money is no object, the planner is the top choice. Sure. But the second place, which is the Sigma 35 1.8 F-mount ART, as long as you don't mind the FTZ adapter, and it's obviously going to be a little bit bulky and heavier because of the FTZ adapter attached as well. Actually, for the money and for the value for money you get with the Sigma, it's a fantastic choice. So on the budget, this would be the lens I would recommend. But also, Gordon has compared the 135 plan with Z85 1.2 native lens.
1: Yeah, this is another one we've been asked quite a lot about. I think because people see them both as portrait lenses, and if they're only going to choose one portrait lens, which one do they go for? So what he says here is that both are excellent lenses with slightly different characteristics. A focal length of 135 brings 60% more reach and tighter framing than the 85mm. This might be a boon if you just need a bit of distance to your subject or a bane if you're shooting in tight spaces the 85 has over a stop more light gathering power enabling shorter shutter speeds and lower iso but it's razor thin depth of field at 1.2 might also be a challenge when composing a shot Both lenses have slightly different character in their bokeh and the 85 renders the softer transition zone and background at f1.2, but also shows more pronounced cat size and a stronger vignetting than the Plenna. So if you value excellent sharpness, then the Plenna has an advantage. But both lenses have their strengths in different areas. And ultimately, as he says, it's up to you to decide.
0: It's a difficult one. Yeah. As uh, I said in the past, that if you just want to get one portrait lens, it probably makes sense to get 85 mm. as the only lens. Mm. Or if you want to sit somewhere in between the focal distance, then 105 of mount 1.4e is a fantastic choice because it's slightly longer than 85, it's slightly shorter than 135, but it kind of sits in the middle. But let's say, if you've got H5 already and the portrait is your bread and butter, you shoot a lot outdoors, you don't want to shoot with 7200, You 7200, uh, 2.8, you want to get 1.8 aperture, mm-hmm. then 135 is going to be a fantastic choice. So for me, as I said in the past, that I have H5 1.4 G lens mm-hmm. and I was considering upgrading to H5 1.2, but now I'm thinking about planner for the reason being is, well, then I'll keep my 85 which I really like mm-hmm. and I rate really highly and I will get the 135. Right. Those are quite good options in my opinion. Another interesting point a lot of people brought up, and it's not an ideal solution, I don't really like that, but it is an option I guess. A lot of people say, well why won't you use your 85 1.2 In crop, if you shoot on a 45-megapixel sensor, you still get about 20 megapixels or so Mm. out of it, and that gives you roughly equivalent to 135mm focal distance. Mm. Not an ideal situation, but if it's just for Instagram and all the socials, I guess it's all right.
1: Yes, it's fine. I mean, One thing that we have been asked quite a lot recently is to test the 135 on an APS-C sensor, I suppose because people want to see if they'll be able to use it as a telephoto prime on the DX camera. We haven't done this test. We don't have a post-production model. We had a pre-production model for about half an hour, which we reviewed as a kind of first look at the lens and the shots are kind of all straight out of the camera on that. But it's an interesting idea that people might want to use the 135, not necessarily for portraiture, but f- as a telephoto prime. So like a
0: 200 one8 or yeah. so, or 200 f2s as we know for F-mount. It's quite a nice idea. Yeah. So tell us what you think both are interesting lenses
1: now we also have some comparisons from one of our viewers the wonderful peter schneider has done some extensive tests with the planner versus
0: the 85 1.2 versus z85 millimeter 1.8 lenses as well as well as 135 millimeter dc f2 defocus control nice. as well as one4 e autofocus lens and manual focus 135.2.8 AIS lens. Now, we're going to put those images on the screen. I, we know it's quite difficult to judge, but so we've got two scenes for you here. One is indoors, another one is outdoors. Have a look at that. It's quite an interesting comparison. It's going to be difficult to judge from the YouTube, but. Here it is.
1: If you set your screen to 4K output, then you will be able to see slightly better than if you're viewing us in 720p, for example, even if it's just for the duration of having a look at these shots. But I will say you can see a difference in Peter's shots of just the bokeh rendering and how the light is coming through the lens. And it is an interesting comparison to make. It also kind of shows to me that you know, all of them are very good portrait lenses. The more modern lenses have better contrast and color, but that's kind of a given.
0: Yeah. What surprised me as well, how sharp the 135 2.8 AIS was. Obviously you have to focus manually and focusing manually on mirrorless camera sometimes, especially wide open is quite difficult. So thank God we're on a tripod and subject is not moving. That's right. Maybe she's alive. Maybe she's She's not. We don't know really, but you know her name is Chantal, by the way. So uh, she's got her own Instagram account <laughs> as well. Um, but what I really forgot is how good the one three five f two d lens, mm. especially with defocus control applied. This one shot in particular, the one three five shot taken at f two with the defocus control set to rear mm. ground, it just looks so battery smooth. And then when if you look at the shot of h one one point eight lens, that you can see how busy in distracting This book is yeah. Normally I do like character lenses, but in this case it's quite distracting. So very interesting comparisons. They are maybe not super scientific, but hopefully you can have a look at them and make your own opinion about those lenses.
1: Yes, and we have to say a massive thank you to Peter for sending over these shots. We consider them to be invaluable in making our comparisons as well. And it made me think that actually my little 135 of 2.8 AIS is worth hanging on to.
0: Absolutely. What I'm thinking we're going to do as well. I got H5 1.4G lens that unfortunately Peter sold. So so I think if uh, we're going to put my head instead of Chantel's in there, <laughs> we just and you take some it. shots, we can probably add them to this set. Yeah, we could. All right. Now onto some other news. A Nikon published tutorials for Nikon ZF camera. Yes. We talked about steep learning curve, and hopefully those videos will help you. Nikon also published a Nikon ZF accessory system chart that highlights the accessories compatible with this camera. One of the important things that comes up all the time is the remote releases. Now, the traditional AR-1 releases are not compatible with this. We know that you have a little hole in the shot release there, but it's not going to work with your traditional remote release cameras. The only remote releases that are compatible with it is ML-L7 Bluetooth remote release and also mcn 10 remote grip, which is the one that they use for video work.
1: Now, if you're wondering what that small screw thread in the shutter button is for, it's for a soft shutter release. And all that means is you can screw a little AR-11 in the top there to soften the shutter mechanism when you're pushing the button yeah.
0: down. I mean, I agree. It's a missed opportunity by Nikon. I think having that would be absolutely amazing.
1: It would be very cool. But say la vie. C'est la vie. We move on.
0: Now some third-party news. We had a couple of lens announcements. So, first one is company Shirui is about to release 3DX lenses for Nikon Z mount and they all will have autofocus and they will call them snipers.
1: They're all f1.2. We have a 23mm, a 33 millimeter, and a 56 millimeter, which is interesting.
0: Yeah, and we'll leave it at that. Now, Brighton Star announced 9mm 5.6 lens, which is full frame for Nikon Z mount. Mm -hmm. We'll join the 7 arches and Laover lenses. Now we have three 9mm lenses available. Um, You know, they're all rectangular, wide-angle lens, which is really, really wide. What's interesting about this lens is that it allows you to put rear filters on them. And apparently it comes with one. Fun stuff. Hopefully they won't unscrew themselves while on the camera. Oh my gosh. Is that the vibration reduction moving inside? <laughs> That's scary. Let me shake it. Now on some other news, DC Live published earnings schedules for the top camera manufacturers. It is this time of the year mm. where the camera manufacturers tell us how much money they made. So
1: on November 9th, we'll see Nikons and yeah. then we'll let you know.
0: Get your popcorn ready.
1: <laughs> now for your weekend Region Watch section, we have a Joe McNally video. We've got install portrait demo and Q&A with Joe McNally with... Adorama. This was in their event space and this is a live stream. So join them for a fast-paced hour that includes live shooting demo with a model and learn the three big principles of light, quality, color, and direction. Delivered quickly and clearly as always with everything by Mr. McNally.
0: The real photographer taking the real pictures and explaining how he does it. It's a rarity nowadays. So do savor it and enjoy it in your spare time. In the meantime, it's a wrap. Thanks for joining us this week.
1: Thank you very much for watching and or listening. Please give us a like and a subscribe if you're on YouTube, a follow rating review. Tell all your friends and family if you're listening on a podcast platform.
0: Bring the kids and animals to (laughs) listen together to this wonderful podcast, which is available on places like... Apple Podcasts, Amazon Unlimited, and Spotify's of the world. And you know what? We are also on social medias as well. Places like Instagram, you know.
1: That's right. I'm at Rebecca underscore Danese. The shop is at Nikon at Grace.
0: And I'm at Konstantin Kochkin. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye.